Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Today's date is January 27th, 2020. 2020-2020. All right. Today is a show <laughs> that's, in my opinion, very freeing. It frees you up from guilt and shame and from condemnation. Definitely. It frees you up from being a person of works, having to uh, constantly worry about your salvation, constantly having to worry about whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing and if God's going to be mad and punish me or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's a freeing show. But in order to get to the freedom, we're going to have to get through the ugly to explain. Mm -hmm. Well, this scripture that we're using in Hebrews has uh, is very controversial. I mean, there's a lot of Christians that have, um, that the enemy has used this on Christians that have fallen, um, you know, backslid. Mm-hmm. And then they want to come back to the Lord and then they read this scripture and they think, oh my gosh, um, I can't renew myself to repentance. God has um, abandoned me. He's, you know, rejected me. And that's where the enemy would have you in this um, bubble where you can't be with the Lord anymore. And it's and it's not true. It's not true. It's, it's Satan's favorite scripture mm-hmm. to... Quote and misquote and twist and to get people into self-condemnation. I didn't really realize this because this this isn't one of the scriptures that ever bothered me. <laughs> you know, it, it just didn't. It never bothered me. Uh, I guess because when I was in a backslidden condition, I never, I never, I never abandoned God. I never said I don't love God or want anything to do with God or his commands or precept. The opposite was true. I believed I was still a Christian. I just mixed new age practices, Chinese martial arts, Qigong, mm-hmm. um, Native American spirituality. I just mixed that in to my Christianity, but mm-hmm. I never rejected God. Right. And, um, there was a time you heard me tell the story. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but in 2009, I had uh, went through a, a trial, a testing, and it was to the point where, I mean, I am really, really upset with with God. Really, mm-hmm. really upset with God for allowing this thing to happen to me. And I had only been um, reborn really for for a few years at that point, mm-hmm. a six, mm-hmm. a couple of years, about three, about three years in 2009. Um, and I had had this conversation, this um, conversation, the yelling match with God. Of course, he wasn't yelling back at me, but I'm I'm driving my truck and I'm yelling and I'm thinking about where I could go spiritually because this this God of Abraham, this Christianity uh, is not working for me. Mm-hmm. What I read in the Bible and what I go to church and hear is different than what I'm experiencing in my real life. So anyway, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm talking out loud to God as I'm driving. It, it, there's another place to go. I'm kind of talking to myself. I'm going, mm-hmm. you know, if I knew 
that Allah from Islam, Islam was the real God, I would go there right now. Mm-hmm. But I know that he's not. And if I knew that uh, the, the, the Tao of the Chinese you know, medicine and Chinese martial arts was the real deity, I would go there. Mm-hmm. And if I knew that Native American spirituality was the answer and the great spirit was the real God, I would go there. And I went down the list. And when I went down the list, I realized there was nowhere to go. Right. That there was only one true God. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I really didn't realize just how cathartic that would be for me. But as I as I was yelling I was, and I said, well, I'm stuck with you mm-hmm. and you're stuck with me <laughs> because I can't go anywhere and you're not getting rid of me that easy. Right. You know, but that argument that I had with myself and with God changed me because at that point I knew that I knew that I knew mm-hmm. there was only one true God and there's nowhere else to go. So Hebrews 6, 4, that's what we're going to be in. That's something that never got to bother me. A lot of it was because of the story I just told you. I, I already knew there was only one God and I already knew that in in order for me to, to leave God, I would have to abandon Literally, I would have to abandon God and all his commands, all his precepts, everything he did through Christ and through the Holy Spirit, the whole gospel work, I would have to literally walk away from, not just, oh, I'm going to go sin and still think I'm a Christian, literally reject the things of God. And number two, go to another God, mm-hmm. whether that be the God of money, fame, fortune, drugs, I don't know, but I would have to go and serve another God to replace him. So, but this is a scripture many, many, many people struggle with. Did you ever struggle with this, Ms. Capel? Yes, I did. Hebrews 6, 4. Yeah, years ago I did. And um, um, I thought I, it was, I was a young Christian and I thought I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And I came across this scripture and I thought, oh my goodness, this is what I did, you know. And I know what it's like to feel um, that I could no longer come back to God, mm-hmm. and I had no understanding of it. But I went to a, um, I went to counseling. It was actually your mom oh. that um, I went to Sister Mary, hmm. and I told her about this. And I thought I, I think I did this sin, and she said, No, there's no way that you could have, because even if it, because it, just the fact that it bothers you yeah. shows you that you haven't done that. And then she went directly down the um the chapter to verse nine where it says what does it say about not chapter nine, I'm sorry excuse nine it says but beloved we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation mm-hmm. though we thus speak. So she read that to me and I thought, hmm and then says Sister Mary obviously she knows a lot more than I do. So I received that by faith and I was able to get out of that. Yeah. Well, apparently a lot of people really, really struggle with this. And and if you're coming from a viewpoint also where you feel like you can lose your salvation by any kind of a sin, you, uh, you're more prone uh, to, to, to go to a system of works to try to make things work and not really realizing that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Nothing can remove you from the, from God's hand. Mm-hmm. So you go, well, why do we have scriptures like this in there then, if that's true? And so we're going to break this down and show you the apostasy, the level that this is talking about. And just to, to be a spoiler alert, 
the level is not your regular. <clears throat> it's not sinning or missing the mark or tripping up or stepping up, you know, or, or just tripping up. For example, let me give you an example. And I don't want to pick on any one kind of sin or something. Like that. Let me use myself for an example. Let me use yeah. one of my own sins. Let me use one of my own sins. Sin of anger. So if the Holy Spirit has convicted me, Paul, ramp down your anger. Don't get mad. Don't get that. It never works for you. That's not a godly thing. Wrath is not good. Paul, don't do it. Okay. So Lord, forgive me. I don't want to be angry. Blah, blah, blah. So then um, I'm out and about. Something happens. Bam. I get angry. And oh, I don't want to do it. But I, I got angry and I gave into the flesh and I did some things. I said some things I shouldn't have said. I really shouldn't have said these things, but I said some horrible things. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Okay. I did not lose my salvation. If Christ would have came back or I would have died in a car wreck while I was angry, I am saved. I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit to the day of redemption. This is a sanctification process that's going on with me. I need to repent of that anger. God help me. Lord help me not to do this. Right. And do what I need to do to apologize to that other person or whatever to get uh, the blockage uh, to God unblocked. Okay. So say I keep doing this every day. I just keep getting angry. I just keep blowing it. That scripture, I think it's a Proverbs that says the righteous will fall down seven times and still get up. Yep. They'll still get up. So it's not, it's not the sin. It's the attitude of the heart. What we're talking about here, what this scripture is talking about is a wholesale rejection of God. So it's one thing to say, okay, I came out of, uh, let's just say I came out of Indian spiritualism where I thought I was a, a shaman and that the great spirit was the real God. And so then I become a Christian. I receive Christ. I hear the gospel message. I taste the good things of God. I see the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. Mm -hmm. um, I experience the love of the people. I, I see these things. I, I, I hear prophecy. I'm, I'm st I starting to get it and I'm going, okay, I'm going to serve this Christ God. But then something happens to me and I go, you know what? This isn't working. I'm going back to my Native American spirituality. I think the great spirit is really the one true all in all God. Right. And I'm going to go back and worship the great spirit. And not only that, I want to reject everything from Yahweh. I want to reject mm -hmm. the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have any of the gods before me. I, I want to reject that because I want to have another God. Uh, I'm going to reject uh, covetousness. I'm going to reject adultery. I'm going to reject murders. I'm going to reject everything because I don't believe in this system no more. And I'm also going to reject the whole atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross for me. Mm. And when I do that, and I it sincerely do that, and go back to the vomit, mm -hmm. go back to the vomit, it is impossible for me to then come back to Christ because I've crucified him afresh and made a public besmearing out of him. Right. Okay? It's impossible, not in the sense that Christ could not forgive you for that sin. Not that he said, oh my gosh, I was wrong. It was Jesus is the real Lord. It's not that he's like, okay, no, no, you rejected me. Forget it. It's just that I put myself in a position now where it's impossible for me to be re renewed. Once I was, once I was renewed, it's impossible for me to be re re renewed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not coming back. I rejected it all. That's why I rejected it. I'm not coming back. So 
you know, there's different, you know, different commentaries, different people think, well, in Hebrews 4, 6, they're talking about people who were never even saved in the first place. And I don't really agree with that because mm-hmm. they tasted of the good things. They were in the body. They were in the church. They did this. Um, of course, I you're, think hi- you're talking about 6, 4. 6, six 4. I'm sorry. What did I say? Uh, 4, 6. Yeah, 6, 4. It's my dilepsy, dilepsic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there's other ones that say that... Um, uh, some of them say that that is they're, they're Christian or people that have come that really weren't saved to begin with. Then there's the other ones that say that um, that they did come to Christ, they fell away, they backslid, and now it's um, impossible for them to come back. Yeah. That's not what this is talking about, no. and that's that's the one where a lot of people get messed up, they get tripped up because they think you can backslide get away from God and live a, a backslidden lifestyle and then and then uh, ne- never be able to come back. You can't mm-hmm. repent. Well, let me just say something mm-hmm. here. If, you, if you've fallen away from God and, um, and you've sinned or you've went back to your old way of life or whatever, and you come back to the Lord, you repent, you say, Lord, I'm so sorry. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you to Christ because it's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ. Because remember in 1 John, it says it's it's God that gives us the power, the authority to become sons of God. It's not man. It's not your will. You know, it's, it's the power of God, his authority. It's God. It's God's will mm-hmm. that you come to Christ. So it's his spirit that draws us. Just like Jesus says, it's the father that draws all men unto him. That's right. And in Romans, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. It's First John 1, 9 that says that. Well, it's the same book. <laughs> I'm sorry. But if we confess Let's our sins, out. he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see how hard it is for Brother Kapow living with a biblical scholar? <laughs> I'm not a scholar. People. You see I how just hard rem- it is? remember that scripture. Well, in First Pepperoni... <laughs> <laughs> Two, three, it says, thou shalt not cut the pepperoni with the pocket knife. There you go. I won't refute that one. No, because, well, there's no coming back. You, I no. mean, dude, that's just plain that's, stupid. Yeah, that's not no right. No pocket knives. Uh, so he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's what we want to emphasize. Okay. I want to emphasize that. So let's go and break down this scripture and hopefully it'll free somebody up who might be bogged down here. Yeah. Especially because if you do ask God for forgiveness, honestly, it's God's spirit that's bringing you back. And so you can repent and have fellowship with God, the Father, Absolutely. the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and with the brethren. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, you know, just like on a personal note here, I used myself as an example with anger. And, you know, one, it's one of my um, one of my fleshly things that the Holy Spirit's really convicted me of and that I really have to give to God. And with the help of Christ, I do pretty well. Mm-hmm. But there are times that I don't. And there are times I can feel it coming on or... I can sense there may be a situation that would ignite it. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely have to pray in advance. Lord, help me. I do not want to get angry. I do not want to be this guy. I don't want to do these things. And I have to actually go in advance, <laughs> like advanced forgiveness mode to try to, to not get that, you know, mm-hmm. to not become angry. 
And um, he's, he's faithful and just <laughs> to help you on that. I think just the consciousness of it too, just right. going, I'm conscious of, of this and my weakness here. And I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that could be with anything, people. It could be with any addiction, any, anything. Right. Uh, and it's the, the struggle. You know, we struggle with sin. There are some things that are a lot easier for us to um, overcome. You know, mm-hmm. and then there are some things that are just really, really difficult. And a lot of people tend to think that because, oh, I sinned again or I did this again. And you just feel, you know, um, condemned as a failure. Yeah. You're not. It's you. It's like that one in Proverbs that says that, you know, though they fall seven times, they will be renewed. They'll get up again yeah. because it's the it's the Lord. It's the power of God that allows you to come to get up again. And each time you get up, you get a little stronger and a little stronger. So don't be hard on yourself. Remember, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So it's, um, it's God doing a work in you. Amen. Okay. So we're going to read out of the NLT for easy understanding. We're going to start with Hebrews chapter five, verse 11. Because the writer of Hebrews was laying out all these things about Jesus Christ and what God, God's plan set up Jesus Christ as the high priest and what he's done for our salvation and, and all this stuff. So the first thing, the very first thing I need you to know is that the name of the book is called Hebrews. Hebrews. The letter was written to... Let me guess. Hebrews. It was written to first century Jews in the church. They were converted to Christianity or at the very least were aware of the doctrines of Christ. And this letter is addressing them and their issues. This whole letter called Hebrews is very Hebraic. It wasn't written to Gentiles, Mm -mm. though it applies to Gentiles, obviously. It was written to first century Jews. We have to keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. That's why it always harkens back to the Old Testament. Yes. It lays down that foundation. Now, I want you to understand something. By the time Christ was crucified and resurrected, before his crucifixion, he says, you can tear down this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. Mm -hmm. Yes. He says this. And then he gives prophecy about AD 70, the destruction of Jerusalem. Those prophecies are contained in part, Matthew 24, uh, Luke 21, Mark Mm -hmm. 13. A.D. 70, the temple system was destroyed by the Romans. It's up from that point on, it's literally impossible to worship God through a temple system. You cannot incorporate Mosaic law in the temple system. You cannot do the sacrifices. You don't have the priesthood. Mm -mm. You don't have the temple. You you cannot. It's impossible possible to worship Yahweh in the temple system 
since AD 70. Mm -hmm. Impossible. And it can't be rebuilt. There's so much blood on that land. So much blood. Read um, uh, Josephus, History of the Jews. You'll understand the War of the Jews. There's so much blood, so much defilement. It's impossible. So keep in mind that Jesus, by the time he's, he's crucified and resurrected, and the time AD 70 comes is about 40 years. Mm-hmm. So put yourself in the shoes of a first century Jew. You were raised a Jew. That's, that's all, all you, you know. know. That's all mm-hmm. you know. Your daddy was Jew. Your mama was a Jew. Your daddy, daddy was a Jew. Daddy, daddy. And you trace your lineage all the way back to Seth. Mm-hmm. 6,000 years of being a Jew. 4,000 years of being under the Jewish temple. And now somebody comes along and says, the Messiah came, died for your sins. He's the final sacrifice. You no, you no longer need to worship Yahweh in the temple. You can worship him in spirit and truth. Right. Oh, that's heavy. See, right. we take that for granted today. Oh, we're Gentiles. We receive the Lord. Man, you know, mm-hmm. think about that heavy cultural paradigm shift for these people. Right. Now... While they're Christians and they're following Christ, guess what still exists? The temple system. So their relatives, their neighbors, their rabbis, maybe their parents, maybe their children still worship Yahweh through the Levitical temple system. That's right. Well, Jesus taught in the temple. Yeah. Hmm. But they're offering sacrifices for their sins. That's right. They're circumcising for piety, for righteousness. Mm-hmm. They're doing things under the law. Right. When Christ has freed them. So mm-hmm. they're at this transition period that had to be bizarre. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of relate to it was when I was, uh, I was raised Catholic mm-hmm. when I was 10 years old. And, um, and I was baptized Catholic and, you know, they say that the Catholic church is the church. So as long as you're baptized Catholic, you're good to go. And, um, when I got saved in 79, I remember, um, our, my pastor telling me that now I needed to be baptized, water baptism. And I tell you what, I never thought of it, but I thought, well, if I get baptized here, would that nullify my my Catholic baptism. Yeah. And, and I remembered my teaching that, you know, Catholic oh. church is the correct church, even though I believe that everybody doesn't matter what church or denomination you went to, cause you're serving the same God. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I was thinking back then. Okay. But it was really, um, a contention with me because I didn't know if I would, by being baptized in this new church for my faith in Christ, if that was going to nullify my baptism in in the Catholic church yeah. and if that would nullify my you know my standing with God I really didn't know but it was uh th- through prayer and of course when I told the pap- pastor that I can't do that because you know uh, that I was raised Catholic he goes well we'll pray about it so he you know he tried to explain it to me and he was real nice about it and we prayed about it well obviously the Holy Spirit was working in my heart where I thought well, what difference does it make? You know, all, God's the same. Mm-hmm. And if God wants me to be baptized in this church, I'm going to go ahead and do it. So I did, but, um, that's the only way I could relate. And it's not even, 
you know, a good comparison, but that's the only way that I can actually, relate to that story. Actually, I think it is a very good comparison. I do. Well, thank you. Because, I mean, um, you're culturally raised a Catholic, uh, and then you find Jesus Christ, but yet what, what still exists, the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. So you still have that, your, your, your aunts and your uncles and all these other people still belong to it. Mm -hmm. So you have this, this, this drive, this calling to go back. So I think it's, that is a good example. Yeah. So it was a big conflict um, for me. Except that, you know, the only difference with the Jews, I mean, that is their nationality. That yeah. it's not just a religion. It's who they are. So anyway, that's, that's where we're at. With Hebrews, you have to realize who the audience is mm -hmm. and what time frame it's happening, okay? So the letter is written to them, and it's written up to them explaining up to this point, the writer of Hebrews is explaining to them that they need to be more mature. At this level, they should be more mature in Christ, but they're still stuck on the basic fundamental elements of baptism, resurrection, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're, they're still stuck on, they're still like, well, tell me again about this, Jesus. I haven't quite made my decision up. Tell me again. And so he's saying, by this point, you should be more mature. You should be teaching others, but you're like dull, you know, you're dull in your head. And so as he's talking about this, he's, he starts talking about a, a group of people. It's, it's, it's almost hypothetical. And I'm sure it happens and it does happen and it did happen. But in this case, he doesn't give specific names or a or a specific time frame. It's almost a hypothetical. And he's saying that if you go back to the Jewish law, even though you're serving Yahweh, now the only way to get to the father is through the son, is through Jesus Christ, through the Messiah. Mm -hmm. You cannot go back to Yahweh like you used to without the son. So the problem is, is if you're a good Jewish guy and you're still, you know, struggling with the doctrines of Christ and you go off, oh, forget it. I'm just going to go back to the temple with my family and serve Yahweh. That's what he's talking about. Even though it's Yahweh, it's not, he's not going to another, they're not serving another God or a strange God. It's the rejection of the work of the cross that's so egregious. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not like they're sinning. They're rejecting the blood sacrifice of God made flesh. It's mm -hmm. a big, big, heavy act. It's mm -hmm. not something that you've done. Yeah. And I can say that with confidence because you wouldn't be listening to the Kapow radio show at yeah. this point. They've done that. They're returning to works instead of um, faith. Yes. Yes. So let's read the, the, the passage here in the NLT. Lynn, uh, verse 11 from chapter five. There is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Chapter 6 
So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, and who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come, and who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. When the ground soaks up the falling rain and bears a good crop for the farmer, it has God's blessing. But if if a field bears thorns and thistles, it is useless. And the farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. Dear friends, Even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. And we stopped there uh, right before. That's uh, verse, verse 12. Two. Yeah, verse 12. So you can see where the, the problem is that Satan loves to use this scripture on people is verse 4. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit that have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power to age to come, who then turn away from God. It is impossible to bring such back to repentance. By rejecting the Son of God, they themselves are nailing him to the cross once again, holding up to public shame. See, that's so, some strong language. I mean, you know, you read that, especially after you have fallen away, or you know what I mean? Yeah. And you want to come back, you realize, because God has convicted you of your sin mm-hmm. and has drawn you back, but you don't understand what's happening. It's the Holy Spirit that's doing this work, but you think it's yourself. So when you read this, you're thinking, and then the enemy comes yeah. and condemns you and say you. and accuses you of this, mm-hmm. and you feel that you know that you've screwed up so bad that you can't come back to yeah. God. And that's horrible. It's a horrible because you know it's impossible to bring such. But what you have to realize in the scripture, it says. It's impossible to bring them back to dependence. What? By rejecting the son of God. That's key. There is a rejecting in there. He's talking about harpazio, missing the mark, stumbling, uh, messing up in your fleshly suit, your sin life, going back to your addiction, whatever you did. Not talking about, he's talking about the rejection of the son of God. And when they do that, they themselves nail him to the cross. Holding a public shame. Remember, it's first century Jews. First century Jews. That you go back to the temple system, they are they rejected the Messiah. So you go back to a place that rejected the Messiah, you nail him to the cross afresh. It's it's heavy heavy stuff. Um, so this ain't just your regular, you know. I'm not trying to undermine sin, but this is heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. So where does this come from? 
He's writing to the Hebrews. He's writing to Jews. And it comes from the Old Testament. And there's a lot of stuff in the New Testament about it, but it all comes from the Old Testament. So let's look at some of the Old Testament scriptures that are going to show you the severity of the act that a person has to do in order to become apostate. The other thing I want you to notice is that once he says all this stuff to these people, right? And that how uh, you know God the farmer will basically condemn the field that's producing thistles. In other words, it's useless. In verse 9, just like my mother showed Miss Kapow years ago, verse 9 says, Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, it doesn't say I'm giving you real examples, you know, Harmenius and Alexander did this, blah, blah. He's just saying we're talking this way. He says, we really don't believe it applies to you. Mm -hmm. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. So verse nine, the devil never gets you down to verse nine. Have you noticed that? Mm -mm. Satan will never get you down to verse nine. He only keeps you there in verse four and five <laughs> and six. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's, that's where he'll keep you. You don't get down to verse nine where the, the author of this letter says, but we don't believe this is you. You're going to be okay through salvation. He's making yes. a point to Jews that will that understand what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. See, we as Gentiles back in 2020, we, we may not get it. But the first century Jews understood exactly what he's talking about because it harkens back to rejecting God when God revealed himself to the nation of Israel. Israel was God's chosen people. God chose them to represent him on earth. So when they rejected their God and went and served other gods, what's the first commandment? To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to treat others like yourself. So second is like it. <laughs> but you shall not have any other gods beside me <laughs> at all. Okay. So you did rejecting and going to other gods, big no-no. Let's look at a few of them. Okay. Let's look at uh, what's one. The first one is Leviticus 26. I'm sorry. You were doing something. No, no, no. That's fine. Let's see here. We did. Yeah. Job 34. 26. Well, actually, let's go to Leviticus 26. Okay. And then you look up what you're going to do and I'll, okay. I'll read this. No. Leviticus 26 says, um, however, if you do not listen to me, this is God talking to Israel. If you do not listen to me or obey all my commands, and if you break my covenant by, check this out, rejecting my decrees, treating my regulations with contempt. So it's not, it's, it's, it's heavy. You're rejecting his decrees and you're looking down at contempt. You looked at up that word earlier and it meant like to, to, to scorn, to be disdainful, to be mm -hmm. disgusted. Okay. And refusing to obey my commands. So you, you get this, it's breaking covenant with God. And, and, and you would do that by rejecting all his decrees. So right now, if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you would have to say the Ten Commandments, I'm throwing those out the window. Mm -hmm. Any of God's decrees about adultery, covetousness, uh, murder, having other gods before me, uh, the whole bit. Adultery, yeah. They're all out. Mm -hmm. Adultery, they're out. I don't, I reject it. Then the regulations God has set up, love one another, here's my son, the, the Holy Spirit lives, it. you'd have to just reject it, go down and be contempt, have it with contempt. Mm -hmm. I not only reject it, I hate it. I don't want anything to do with this stupid religion. You would have to hate it, contempt, and then just absolutely refuse to obey the commands. This is the kind of stuff you would need to do. 
And then God says, I will punish you. I'll bring sudden terrors upon you, wasting diseases, burning fevers. It gets worse. And then, but in this passage, he goes, if you still don't listen, then I'll bring seven times more on you. And if you still don't listen, then I'll do this. And if you still don't listen, then there'll be seven times of that. And it goes on and on and on till God himself is whacking you. Mm-hmm. And, and they're eating, you know, they're eating each other's babies and, you know, stuff that really happened in, in these, these sieges of uh, uh, Assyrian siege of Israel, uh, Babylonian and um, 8070 of the mm-hmm. Romans. The, the next one we wanted to read was uh, Deuteronomy 29, 18 to 28, I believe. Yeah. That says, I am making this covenant with you so that no one among you, no man, woman, clan, or tribe will turn away from the Lord our God to worship these gods of other nations. And so that no root among you bears bitter and poisonous fruit. Okay? It's the worshiping of other gods, you have to reject the things of God and go back. So it's when Satan uses this scripture against Christians, they're, they're under condemnation for sins. Mm-hmm. And they say, I can't find repentance. I can't find, this is not that. Right. This is not that. And then we have Job 34, 26. Job 34 says, he strikes them down because they are wicked, doing it openly for all to see. You know why? For they turned away from following him. They have no respect for any of his ways. Right? Mm -hmm. Picture that in a marriage. Just picture yourself in a marriage doing that. See what happens. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Say that's your husband. You have no respect for him. You turn for him. You don't listen to him and everything. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. What happens? Is there another one? Uh, we have a few other ones, but I don't know if that's what you want to. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 44, 21. Let's do that one. Give me a Psalm song. Let's do the Psalms. God would surely have known it for he knows the secrets of every heart. But for your sake, we are killed every day being started like sheep. See, that's in the New Testament. Uh, yeah. It? Uh, oh, let, above it, this is what it says here in verse 20. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread our hands in prayer to foreign gods, God surely would have known it for see, he knows the secret of the heart. See, it's all about idolatry. Yeah. See, you, you leave God, you leave Yahweh to serve other gods. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah. And in modern day terms, I mean, to, to apply this in our lives... You say, well, I don't have a Baal statue in my backyard, uh, but you might worship your career or your finances, you know, or your college education. I mean, you might, you know, that's something you're putting before God. God took you out of that, uh, gave you eternal life. You accepted the the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You have the Holy Spirit. You say, change me, sanctify me. But then you only go so far and you're like, I got to go. I got to go back to my career. Mm-hmm. That's where I was really happy. And, and, and in doing that, you say, you know what? I, I this, this whole Christian stuff just ain't working for me. I just can't hang with it. I reject it. I think it's stupid. And I'm going to go back and be a CEO. Um, and even then, that guy at some point could say, you know what? I was wrong. I'm going to repent. As long as there's breath in you, God will forgive you. Christ, the cross covers everything. 
the, the writer here of Hebrews says it's impossible to bring them back to repentance once there were once a lightning. Not because Christ can't do it, but because they're not coming back. Mm-hmm. You can't bring them back. They've rejected it. They've rejected it. All right? Uh, so, I mean, I think you're getting the point here. We're just going through some Old Testament stuff. Let's try... Uh, Psalm 73, 27. Psalm 73. Don't know where that's at. Oh, there we go. Mm. Those who desert him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. For you destroy those who abandon you. Do you get the point? You have to reject and abandon God. You have to leave in order for this to apply. Uh, let's see. Well, we got a bunch of stuff in Ezekiel. <laughs> we got uh, Hosea. How about some Old Testament prophets? Uh, for my people are determined, determined to desert me. Determined. That's like, that's a real strong word there. You can't be, you can't do this by accident. Mm-mm. Like, uh-oh, I woke up today and you know what I think I did? I think I deserted God. I, I'm not sure, but I think I did. I was in Walmart and I felt like I deserted God. It don't work that way. For my people are determined it's a, it's a conscious state of mind and heart. Mm-hmm. It says, they call me the most high, but they don't truly honor me. See, and that's what Jesus said. You know, um, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. Amen. Absolutely. How about Psalm 85, 8? Psalm 85, 8. I'm still in Proverbs here. Oh, here we sorry. go. I listened carefully to what... God, the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people, but let them not return to their foolish ways. All right. Mm -hmm. There's some good stuff here. It just goes on and on and on. It does. It does. Let's look at Hosea again. um, Another verse. Yeah, there's some really good ones in Hebrews too. Hebrews 10, because that the Hebrews 10 one is another one. Um, that kind of screws people up. Okay, let's go there. And how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zimboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. Um, because they, 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 because that's, that comes right after my people are determined to desert me. Okay, so in the New Testament, we got a bunch too. Um, we got a bunch of uh, words of Jesus. We got Galatians. We got John's. And you want to go to uh, Hebrews? What ten? Yeah, because I know that there's some ten thirty eight or ten twenty six. We'll start at ten twenty six. The first. Yeah, one. because I know there's some in there that. Dear friends, if we deliberately, deliberately, kind of like what we just read in that Old Testament one, continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth. There is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. You see, because you can always ask forgiveness for sins. And then if you continue deliberately, and I don't mean just your flesh and you fell down, you're continuing, continuing in it. Like you're besmearing the grace. It's called cheap grace. See, and that's the problem with, I hate using the words once saved, always saved, or I don't even like eternal security. I like um, preservation of the saints that the Holy Spirit preserves you. The work God has begun in you, 
he will he will he will complete he will complete until the day of redemption you know what I mean? But then, you know, Paul also says, does that give us this license to keep sinning because we're under grace? God forbid. Mm-hmm. No, we have to grow. Right? Right. And this one goes all the way down to verse 31. Uh, which one? Or Hebrews 10. Oh. I lost my place here. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Want me to read the whole thing? Yes, please. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we receive the knowledge of truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There's only the, there's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. So you become an enemy of God. For anyone who refused, here we go again. It's a rejection. It's a contempt. It's a rebellion. Anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted, insulted, and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. Okay, how do you insult and disdain the Holy Spirit? How do you how do you bring insult to the Holy Spirit? Huh? You do that by rejecting the things of God. Mm-hmm. You insult the Holy Spirit by saying, I don't want anything else. I don't want your, your conviction. I don't want your spirit. I want to go back to the temple system. Remember, we're, this book, what we just read, is in Hebrews also. That's right. He's writing to the first century Jews. They understand what he's saying because it harkens back to Leviticus. It harkens back to Deuteronomy. It harkens back to the Psalms. It harkens back to what they know mm-hmm. as Scripture. You insult the Holy Spirit by rejecting the Holy Spirit, not by sinning. That's right. It's different. There's a wholesale rejection, a wholesale renouncement. Um, let's see. All these are in Hebrews. Hebrews eleven fourteen. Obviously, people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they could have... They, could have gone back, but now they're looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Amen. Uh, amen. 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 Uh, there's all kinds of stuff in Hebrews, all kinds of stuff. How about let's try some, uh, let's try some Peter. I like Peter. <laughs> this one is second Peter one nine. It says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So let me, let's go up and see yeah. what he's talking about. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, uh, let's go. <laughs> just start with verse four, I guess. And be, Well, you know what? Let's go to verse one because it's oh. not that much. Here we go. Okay. Verse um, 
by this is verse three people by this by his divine power god has given us everything we need for living a godly life we have received all of this by coming to know him the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence and because of his glory and excellence he has given us great and precious promises these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you are really among those who God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I love that. Do these things and you'll never fall away. You won't have to worry about Hebrews 6, 4. (laughs) It'd be impossible to bring you back to repentance because you're doing those things in second Peter. You're adding all those fruits of the spirit and you're, you're showing that you really are chosen and called by God because when you're chosen by God, you hear his voice and those who hear his voice know who he is. They follow the shepherd. If you're listening to the Kapow radio show right now, I can almost guarantee that anybody listens to it is following the voice of the shepherd. Why else would somebody who's not following Jesus Christ listen to a show exactly. called Kingdom Against Powers of Wickedness? What what other motivation could they possibly have? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we can relax in these things. Let's see, uh, how about 2 John 1.1? 1, 1? This letter is from John the Elder. I'm writing to the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth as does everyone else who knows the truth. Because the truth lives in us and will be with us forever. Um, Live with the truth. Let's see. I don't know what this has to do with uh, what I was talking well, about. Well, I think basically that um, you have you have fellowship with God the Father, yeah. the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the, um, the brethren. Yeah. Because you know the continue truth. to abide in the truth. That's and what I think. Jesus says a lot about... Um, the stuff we're talking about when he's talking in revelation with the different churches, mm-hmm. revelation two four, but this, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, but see here, there's still a chance of repentance. Mm-hmm. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. All right. So it's, it's over and over. It's, that's everywhere. Revelation 21, 8. Coward, but cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft. Are you any of that stuff? God idol, forbid. <laughs> idol worshipers. Are you an idol worshiper? All liars. Now, that's not somebody who t- tells a white lie. I'll tell a lie right now. Right now. I'll tell a lie right now. I think... I look like Colonel Sanders. <laughs> um, so, you know, not going to heaven now. Okay. Their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. It's, it's, who's the cowards? The cowardly are those who reject God. 
who are unbelievers. We don't believe in the things of God who are the corrupt. We're corrupt in our own nature who's murderers. We hate people. We hate our brother who's immoral. Those who just continue in immorality, idolatry, sexual sins. Those who practice witchcraft. Well, you're ser- that's the dirt of God right there. You're serving idol worshipers and all like You see how heavy that is? That's heavy stuff. That's not hard posio stuff. You're not missing the mark stuff. That's out and out rejection of the things of God. Mm-hmm. That's called apostasy, falling away. It's reprobate mind. Yeah, it's just not f- missing the mark. Yes. Because I mean? we we're all, we've all sinned. And, you know, in the first John, it says, if you say that you have no sin, then you're a liar. Yeah. Because we all sin. That's, that's the whole point of Christ coming and giving us new life. We still have the old nature in us, but it's dead in Christ. It's been buried with Christ, but it still likes to rear its ugly head. It does. And we have to work at making sure that that thing doesn't uh, exist anymore. We have to put those things to death. But because of the Holy Spirit, our spirit has been renewed, quickened, and we've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Yeah. Amen. I hope this helped. Yes. Somebody. I, I feel in my spirit that it did. It will. It, it will. It will. Um, especially when you, you get hit with that condemnation. Uh, Satan loves to use this scripture on people. Man, it's all over the chat rooms, comment sections. Um, there are Christian ministries, pastors of churches that will say things like this. This is the most asked question we get. Yeah. And then there are some pastors really that that do give false teaching on this. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, if you have a, a person that's coming to you as a pastor, as a teacher, or as a leader, someone, you know, that they're looking up to and they say, I've done this, you know, you don't say, well, yeah, it is impossible for you to to return you can't say stuff like that i know and we heard him say that we have you know and put people in that kind of bondage that's not right that isn't right and the reason why they say stuff like that is they haven't been in that place yet Mm -mm. they haven't been in that place yet where they have to come to grips with these kind of doctrines so that's easy to say well then it is impossible really well what about the cross dummy what did the cross do for people? You know what? Because my gospel says that nothing could get past the cross. You can't get under it. You can't get over it. You can't get to the left of it. You can't get to the right of it. Whatever you do, whatever your sin is, whatever you're missing the mark is, whatever your shortcoming is, it stops at the foot of the cross. Because God became flesh and shed his blood for our redemption so we can be reconciled to the Father Period. Stop it. I almost got anointed there. I think you were. Mm. But yeah, but you know, and plus the ignorance of it. If you are seeking God, if you, if your heart's desire is for God, that's the Holy Spirit, people. It is. That's why I say, if you're listening to this show, you cannot tell me you're a wicked abominable person who's rejected the things of God on your way to hell and you're listening to a kapow show? No, no, no. I'm going to tell you this. You're fine. Ask the Lord 
confess your sin, say, Lord, this is this. I don't want to do this. Help me, strengthen me. I can do all things through Jesus Christ. Right? That's right. And then you move forward in your growth. Amen. Amen. It's freedom. There's freedom in Jesus Christ, not bondage. Amen. We've been bound too long, but there's freedom in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's freedom in what we do. This is the gospel message. There's enough people bound in the world today just through Satan. Let's get them free. Amen. Anyways, if if you're in a situation where you feel bound that you can't come back to to God or have fellowship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the brethren, I pray that God will release you from that lie, from that bondage, and um, and that you would find freedom, that the truth will set you free. Amen. That's it, Miss Kapow. Alrighty then. Kapow says ciao, babies. In his prayer.